significant, what a presumptuous title. I'm about to give the state of the nation. Uh, <laughs> the census came out this week, uh, for the, the, sorry, the results from the 2021 census. Do you remember filling that out? Um, and uh, it said a, a bunch of really interesting things. It just came out midweek. There's been lots of interesting uh, comments. Uh, and, and I think it speaks into something so, uh, so topical, so live, so relevant for us, well, for, for the Christian faith, but particularly for us as a church. Um, and so I want to, we're going to sort of look at some things that came out of that. I'm interested in what you think about it. So we're going to do that thing, fair warning, just for the introverts in the room. I am going to ask you to talk to someone else next to you. We're going to do that breaking the fourth wall thing that we do every now and then. So just for those of you who freak out at that, maybe go to the toilet now or get a couple, because we're going to do it. So I'm just, it's a trigger warning. That's what it is. Um, but I do think uh, I'm not actually going to give a big summary of the state of the nation. However, I do think it's really important to take note and to reflect when we get opportunities uh, to think about where are we, a, a, a less, um, um, a, a more humble way of maybe presenting what I'm hoping to do is to just say, so where are we as a nation? Rather than me pontificate on on the state of the nation, there is, there is a, a really important aspect of leadership, whether you're leading your life, your family, your, um, your business venture or whatever it is, everyone leads something. The first part of leadership, I think, is to define where are you. And often we think what leadership is about is where do we want to go? And that's obviously inherent in the idea of leadership, you're going somewhere. Um, but actually, the, the, often the most difficult part, the most elusive part that anyone who does, who enters into the venture of, uh, into, the, um, into the task of leadership, doesn't adequately or accurately define, well, where are we starting from? So if you can imagine, you're going on a holiday to uh, Townsville and you want a map and you're starting from Brisbane, but if you put into the GPS, you're starting from Cloncurry, that it's not going to work, is it? That's going to take you somewhere else. So you've got to know where are we at. And I think this is really important uh, to take these opportunities to reflect on where we are, as where we're at as a nation. Um, so one of the things that um, of a whole lot of really interesting um, information that came out. One of the things, and you may already be across some of this. You might have seen there's been a fair bit of sort of commentary and observation, depending on what circles you move and what what gets what the algorithm feed you on your social media. But one of the things that was of interest to many Christians is that for the first time ever where Christianity is officially the minority of the declared religion. So up until this census, more than 50% of Australians, when asked the question what religion you are, said Christian. Now, that might be a surprise to you. <laughs> Actually, that up until this stage more than 50% said that they were Christian. Um, and it's been, as you can see there, it's been in sharp decline, basically almost 10% every five years. Um, and what has mirrored that decline in people nominating, self-identifying as not a Christian, has been the increase of people saying that they're no religion. Can you see? It's almost 10% as well. Uh, 
So it's a thing, right? It's, it's, this, is, this is facts. This is uh, what people have written down. Rather than ticking Christian, they've written something else. And so a significantly less number of people identify. And actually, again, some of the, the, what's been um, made of note and a good, a good reason for us to maybe discuss this is that it's actually a minority. It's less. It's the biggest minority. So more people say Christian than any other individual, including no religion or um, Buddhist or Hindu or... Um, I, I don't know what the percentage of Jedi there were this year, every, every year. I think that's been growing slowly. I take it, Zeke, that was what you ticked? What? No, it wasn't, no. Just the laugh, the knowing laugh. Um, so the, the, that's the data, and it's not in dispute. But the question is, so what does it mean? And I've been really interested to see some... I'm going to discuss some, some responses from people who I respect, who I think is worth considering what it means, but I want to start with us. What do you think that means? So I'm going to ask you to, I think I've given you enough warning now, to actually just turn in groups of whatever you're comfortable with, two, three, four, just where you are, and unpack what do you think that actually means? What, what's the significance of what this means for us? And I'm going to keep the question broad just to see where you go in that conversation. Is that all right? Can we do that? Ready, set, go. Okay, just maybe uh, 30 seconds to wrap up your conversation. I'm, uh, oh, whoops. I'm going to sit down if that's okay. I'm, my knee's not great moment so I'm just going to be a little informal sit down. Um, so I'm really interested in, uh, I'd, I'd, I, it's not, not possible for the sake of time um, to get a, to sort of survey the room. I'm actually really interested to start off with if anyone under 15, because we've got the kids in today, is there anyone sort of under 15 or so had anything interesting to say? Adults, you're, you're welcome to dob them in and even speak on their behalf. <laughs> Okay, now I'm sl slightly regretting. <laughs> I, I am interested. You've always got a really good take on things. What, what did you think, Micah? As people grow older, like they grow up in a Christian church or like everyone around them is Christian. Can't hear, so I can't... Because I'm really wants to do what you do. Um, as everyone... Oh, what? <laughs> Um, as everyone grows up, as as everyone grows up in a Christian church, they get like, and everyone is around them and Christian. As when they start to grow up, they meet new people and get influenced. Like, like they start meeting new people that aren't like from the Christian church. Because when you're young, you kind of just know the people around you, but then you kind of grow up more and start to like get more into like the actual world and like people aren't starting to be Christian, so you get influenced. I think that's definitely part of it. Definitely part of it. Um, I mean, anyone sort of in the 15 through to mid-20s, young adult sort of age, I'm interested in what you've got to say. Stella? Yeah, I think it's just like, um, I think it's just like, 
You're not. <laughs> Um, any, any, any that, that's fine. Um, I thought to Mark, that's definitely a generational, I think what we're pointing to there is definitely a generational thing that's, that's going on. Um, anyone else? Um, uh, anyone else? It's often good to dob in because everyone's very humble about their own opinion, usually, sometimes. Uh, and so, if someone else made a good opinion that you thought, feel free to speak their opinion, uh, their thoughts. But I'm just interested in what what people think is going on and what they've observed. What I'm observing is everyone under 25 is just not really interested. No, I'm just kidding. Go, Sheree, Yeah. In our group, we were just saying that because the whole of Australia's culture is drifting to be less Christian, it's becoming more socially acceptable to tick that box that actually I'm nothing and I don't identify with a religion at all. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really good. Yeah, right. Anyone else? I think if you... Um, if you based your life on, on a Christian culture, it's about um, giving to others and thinking of others and, and honouring others. But I think our society has changed where it's become all about me. And when it becomes all about me, um, if you follow what, what, what Christians, um, what we believe is that we give to others. But I feel as if our society has changed when, look at what I'm eating now, look, take a photo of this, look at this, this is all about me. And I think it's changed from being about giving to others and to being about me. Yeah, I was going to reflect exactly what Joy said on I am or me, myself. But also I think maybe that's a, a reflection of the true amount of Christians that are identifying as or active Christians in the sense of a lot of people tick the box before is generational. My father was... A Presbyterian, my mother was Catholic, so I'm a Christian. So we're also seeing the reflection of I am and, and individualise themselves away from their own family history of identifying as Christian. Because we're talking about active Christians too. So, And I do wonder if people are doing the Mickey Mouse vote on the census now about not really wanting to participate as well. You know, I'm not really... I've spoken to people, I don't care about the census, they don't need to know my details, those sort of things. I wonder what the percentage just tick no religion because you're not going to find out who I really am. Yeah, all really, I mean, all, all really good comments, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't think anyone's surprised. I think most people would reflect that this is more honest. This is maybe, there's absolutely a percentage of people who've done it for, you know, some of the reasons we've talked about, just being more honest, um, which... As much as the numbers, I'd rather, you know, I, I, you'd rather be winning than losing. <laughs> you know, we've all got that sense. But actually, honestly, the truth sets us free, right? Um, I think... Well, let me read a couple of things and we're, I'm going to ask you another question in a moment. I, I've actually got a couple of statements here. There's been quite a number and this is partly sort of the inside baseball or the world I live in. Um, 
you know, there was a number of people making some observations that I think are worthwhile. Now, I've gone for some voices here that you've probably heard me quote before. And to be clear, there's lots of opinions and actually pastors and Christian leaders are really good at having strong opinions and really believing they're right. I tend to, and, and they're often, they reflect that, I like to listen to voices who communicate their opinion about matters of faith in the public square. Because it's actually really easy, if I can be honest, to be a big fish in a small pond um, as, as believers. And the pond's getting smaller. And um, so I like to listen to people who exercise their faith in the public square because the way they communicate uh, to make sense of things, I think, has a sensitivity to those who just think we're talking to each other. So you, you, you'll hear some of the voices I tend to go to. Um, so I'm going to read something from Tim Costello to start with. He wrote, he was asked to write something in Eternity News, which has kind of been uh, uh, the Christian newspaper. You know, it's, it's got a, a diversity of stakeholders. It's got a breadth to it. That's the other thing is I, I, people who are used to speaking across and recognise that as, although we are, say, for instance, Pentecostals, we're a part of something bigger and people who are used to uh, speaking in that context. I'm going to read something here. Um, an article that he, he wrote that I, th I think is uh, really worthwhile. Um, he said, I read the heading on the front page of The Age on 28th of June and my heart sank. Losing our religion as Christianity plummets, it announced. Oh no, I thought, we're losing ground again and badly. Yes, I prefer to be in the winner's circle also. Although I should be used to it by now, my kids as teenagers years ago after watching my many gambling campaigns asked, Dad, is there any campaign you've ever backed that's won? <laughs> uh, he's, if you know, he's a very strong anti-gambling um, campaigner. But this headline felt particularly bad for my tribe and for the cohesion of a nation that was built on a Judeo-Christian foundation. The results of the census showed that just 44% of Australians now identify as Christians, down from 52. Um, for comfort, I immediately picked up mega pastor, mega church pastor Andy Stanley's new book, Not In It To Win It, Why Choosing Sides Sidelines the Church. I'm, I, that's only just come out. I'm very interested. Writing in an American context. Um, he actually says, Andy poses the question to the US church, is it possible to disagree politically and love unconditionally? He's especially critical of using Bible and faith claims in relentless drive to win. I found his assertions that we're not in it to win, uh, we're not in it to win it, personally calming and a reminder of my own motivations. A reminder that even if Australians are checking out of my faith, which deeply saddens me, they must be respected and loved unconditionally. Of course, of course another stunning figure in this census is the rise in no religion an increase from 30% of the population to now close to 40%. What does no religion mean to people? And I think this is a really good question. Humanist Australia, that's an organisation, and you might be familiar, they had a big campaign for people around this time to tick no religion. And actually their intent for that campaign, I broadly agree with. It was, let's just be more honest. They were saying, we actually think people are ticking this culturally, they don't really believe it. And so they had a big campaign to actually do what... Some of us suggested, make it more socially acceptable. I didn't really have a problem with that. Because uh, let's be honest, yeah, you know, the truth sets us free. The way they did it was, you know, I had issues with. Um, so he's talking about that. 
uh, he's talking about that campaign to advocate no religion choice in the census, could be seen as an appropriate smack in the eye for Christians who perceive political and cultural dominance. Is this the sting out of the Royal Commission that unearths such horror of child abuse in many churches? Or is it the connotation of the word religious as so many see themselves today? As spiritual, but not certainly not religious. I need to remind myself that no religion does not mean no belief. And I think that's a really important point. I'm going to... Um, he goes on to talk about that. You can look at Eternity News Online. It's a really good article. Um, a couple of other thoughts. Um, I read an article from... Um, sorry, that was Tim Costello. Had a nice picture of him. Uh, this guy, Mark Connor, again, you guys not, not come across him. He's a... He's, um, I've considered to be, he was a pastor of a large church, not that that necessarily means anything, but a large Pentecostal church in Melbourne called City Life. And for a number of decades now, I've considered him to be one of the best Pentecostal thinkers out there. Um, that's not something our movement is super known for. We have a high concentration of Pentecostal good thinkers in this church. We're probably overrepresented for Pentecostal theologians. Um, like attracts like. But this guy, Mark Connor, has been someone who I, uh, you know, you can see he's got, a, um, he's got some letters after his name. Um, he, said, he said this, no doubt the reputation of Christianity has been greatly damaged by, by cases of clergy sexual abuse and recent public scandals of leaders. In addition, the COVID pandemic, it's always helpful to blame COVID, probably true though, the COVID pandemic caused much polarisation with the church between anti-vaxxers, conspiracies, conspiracists and health. That surprised me. I didn't see much of that at all. But um, that, Sorry, that was sarcasm. And not so much here, but boy, was it a big thing. Uh, and also it had a big impact on church attendance as well as volunteerism. All true. An increasing number of people I know have no problem with Jesus and would describe themselves as spiritual but feel less comfortable with the intent, with the institutional church, as we know it, and and in identifying with Christianity, again, I don't think that's news to us. Probably it's not. I think feel like we've been talking about, it, but it is accurate. It's good. It's now being reflected in where we are as a nation. Um, he actually, and I'm going to come back to this later. He actually pointed to a book called The Future of Faith by Henry Harvey Cox. I haven't read the book, so I'm. I'm Always a little uncomfortable about quoting or pointing to something that I haven't read myself. But he, he points to this observation made in this book that says th this person puts forward, there's kind of three, uh, he, he observes there's three sort of eras of post-Jesus, of Christianity. He talks about the age of faith when the early church was more concerned with following Jesus' teaching than enforcing what to believe about Jesus. That's the early church. Then he talks about the age of belief. This is Harvey Cox, which marked a significant shift from the 4th century, and that's from about when the church got together, what's called the canon. This is in the Bible. Here are our doctrines. Here's what we sort of organised itself a little more through to the 20th century, what we're living, you know, we've, we've lived through that. When the church focused on orthodoxy and right beliefs, so the first was about following Jesus and putting faith into action. And then he says broadly, and it's such a broad statement that anyone with a knowledge of history might be able to pull it apart a little bit, but I think it's useful. I think it's not wrong. 
Interestingly, this guy talks about we're now in this thing called the age of the spirit. Now, it's Pentecostals. Don't get too excited. He's sort of talking a little bit, little bit more broadly here about the idea of spirit, which began in the 60s and is shaping not just Christianity but other religions, religious traditions today. Ignoring dogma, right beliefs, breaking down barriers between different religions. Spirituality is replacing formal religion. Again, we, we hear that echo in some of what Tim Costello was talking about, and I think it's broadly kind of accurate. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. I'm more interested now, we're going to go back into grooves. If, to the extent to which you think it's true or you see you know, what's going on, I think the more powerful question for us, I'm much more interested in, or the question of what's going on is only as important as so what should we do about it? For those, I'm assuming it's some, if you're here this morning, you've got some level of identification or interest in what it is to be a Christian, follow Jesus, you know. And so the question for us is, so what should we do about it? If this is the world we live in, what should we do about it? Can we have another discussion about that for a couple of, just a couple of moments? What should we, what do you think we should do about that? And for the sake of time, we won't be too long because we're going to sort of unpack that, but I am interested what, so, if that's true, what should we do? Okay. I, um, I'm, I'd love, again, to... Uh, I'm, I'm really interested, for a number of reasons, to to be able to eavesdrop or to hear on your conversations. Um, it is something, for, for two reasons, I'm not going to ask you to feedback, partly for time, but partly because I actually do have, like this is the part where I, I feel like there's something I want to bring. And I don't want to put someone into a situation who might say something very different to what I'm about to say. Because, uh, you know, there is a response here. So I, I'm going to ask you to hold it. I'm really happy and the door is open if... If you want to unpack, if you feel like what I'm about to say and what I'm going to bring forward is really divergent or surprising or even uncomfortable for you, I want to really open the door uh, for you to come and have a conversation about that where we can uh, go deeper into it. But I thought we'd, I actually would start with, again, um, some comments of, of some people I've, I respect. I thought we actually might start with Tim Costello because his comments are... Um, might be uh, that, that article. This is how he ends, or this is his bit of, what should we do about this? He says, I've been given a life. I've been given life, and its purpose is to be a blessing to others. I will love unconditionally those who cannot see any sense in my faith. I will witness to the meaning that I have found in knowing God is love, whilst respectfully making space for others' beliefs or none. <coughs> And I do not need to win, but I do need to witness to God as a relational truth that grants me purpose. I'll say that again because I think those words are very intentionally chosen. Um, I do not need to win, but I do need to witness to God as a relational truth that grants me purpose. Relational truth, it reminds me actually of Charles's sermon uh, last week. He spoke about this, about this idea of... Um, our relationship to Jesus as being a relationship to truth. Um, so that's his thoughts there. Um, 
This is a guy called, uh, again, another public Christian. When I say public Christian, he's appeared on Q&A. He writes, this is in The Age, just this week. He says, this is the challenge. It's Reverend Dr. Michael Jensen. This is the challenge and the opportunity for the, for the Christian churches. It's not that we have to become more secular or more cool. That's good news for me. We've lost trust where we've become too institutionally driven and too desperate to cling to our influence. Our aim should not be to win the census, but to be more like Jesus Christ. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. He might not win the census, but he's winning the room. Michael, well done. Um, and then you've heard me quote this guy a lot, Reverend, he's also, uh, he's actually a, a professor in ancient history, but also a pastor, a Reverend John Dixon. Um, he's even more concise. He says, it is time, in fact, he says it's over time, for Australian Christians to recognise and embrace their minority status. How I pray that we will be a confident, humble and cheerful minority. So there he's saying, and I think this is the thing in the room we recognise, this is not a surprise to us. Um, he, his, his take actually is that probably the next couple of censuses will see even more truth. He thinks that if you include those in a, in a fairly broad approach to those who believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Saviour and all traditional Orthodox views that would cover the Catholic and Orthodox Church as well, but people who are committed to it, he reckons the number's about 25%. And he said, actually, if we, he, his point is if we got to that now, we'd actually see that number is growing. But he said it's going to be around 2030, 2032 or something, the census then, where it bottoms out. And his prediction is actually you'll then see that because of the vitality, because there's been early adopters in the church that saw this decades ago and said, we need to get serious about living this out, there's something that's happening underneath the statistics. So, hence, confident, humble and cheerful, you know, and I think there's so much to how we carry ourselves in this. You can hear that theme of the idea of us needing to hang on to winning. It's not doing as well. Let's get on with following Jesus. And that's the part that I guess um, I, I wanted to land in this morning. And I, I, I trust, if you've been part of the journey here at Cornerstone, you would see a theme that over the last couple of years in our teaching has been to point us towards living in an environment where we're not the dominant culture. Because we're not. We all know that. There's not some magic place where all the true Christians are hiding and you just don't see it in your workplace. This is the world we live in when we walk out the door. And there is, there is so much in Scripture and in the example of Jesus, because actually for us to learn and grow from and lean into, because actually the context of Jesus' life and scripture is when those who followed and believed in Jesus were the minority. The Bible makes more sense to us now more. And so we've just now got to take away our cultural lens that's had this anomaly that we've lived in and actually replace it and see what it truly is to walk out and hence you know we've looked at that exile series and we've looked at um, revelation and how hope comes to it all of that has been the idea of revelation we want to see jesus revealed we're about to start a series after the holidays called the life of jesus where we're going to get our teaching team to just choose a favorite aspect of the life of jesus to say let's look at the way in which jesus prayed let's look at the way in which jesus did the 
because the call is to follow Jesus. That's what it is to be a follower of, of, uh, of Jesus. The, the first initial call, the first person who came for these fishermen, he asked them to say, he, he said to them, come and follow me. Now, we li- as we read scripture and see the gospels, we see that invitation is a call to be with Jesus, to, to not be relationally removed, but actually to be identify himself as a friend, as someone who was close, as someone who was loved by Jesus. It's a highly relational dynamic, but the first call was to come and follow. Come and live like I live. And the call now for the church is to return to that. One of the things we've been doing, um, oh, Hebrews, unless, lest you think I'm making this up, it's in scripture. Um, the writer of the Hebrews says, in the famous Hebrews 12, since we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, of all these people who've witnessed before us, he says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. You may have heard the version where it says the author and perfecter of faith. The writer to the Hebrews is saying everything is about life and living is encapsulated in who Jesus is. So to run the race of perseverance is to follow and live out the Jesus life in your world, in your time. There's a... uh, Jesus himself, sorry, oh, I've lost, come back here. Jesus himself says in John, you'll be familiar with, I am the way, the truth and the life. It's interesting, he doesn't just go, I'm the truth. He does, it's, it's about a way, it's about life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's probably the most challenging and confronting thing that Jesus says. Everybody's got to make a decision on whether you think Jesus, whether this is true or not. This is the most confronting. He is saying, no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, Lord. It is confronting. He pulls no punches. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us faith and we'll, that will be enough for us. Just prove it, God. That'll be enough if you just prove it. Don't you know, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time, I've lived with you. Anyone has seen me who has seen the Father. There is this sense in which Jesus is perfect theology. And we can discuss and will, and I'm always up for a good discussion around theology, around what we understand and believe. Because in the right context, if we're cheerful, humble and generous in the way in which we discuss things, then that will sharpen us. But there's a point in which we say, we're honest in saying, this is just me and you having a discussion about our best thoughts. Jesus, when we follow Jesus, he's perfect theology. He was not confused. This is why he's saying, if you know me, if you see me, you know the way of God. And so the call to follow and do, is, it's like that. It, that is the right call for us. And in that, of course, we're going to go deeper and discuss ideas. And, you know, part, part of Cornerstone, we like ideas. We like talking. We like to stretch, you know, in this pulpit. You'll get stretched in your theology. You will encourage to go deep in scripture. Understand that when we walk out of here, go follow. Just walk. Just live it out. 
We've been doing this thing recently. I'll get the band to come up. We've been doing this thing recently. You're going to be invited to come and participate in a big project I've been doing where we talk about the six ideas, not the, you know, six ideas we've come that we feel like this is essential to who we are. We're Jesus following, we're Pentecostal, we're missional, we're generational, communal, substantial. Those words are changing in the process of people being a part of it. We've got some better ways of talking about it. One that has not ever been questioned is the, is the first one. There is a sense of priority there. We are Jesus following. We, th this is who we've been. We're trying to look to walk like Jesus walked, to live like Jesus lived. However, he lived as a first century ancient Near Eastern Jew, and none of us are that. So there's some challenge. And so as we talk about this, oh, come, come back here. There's a beautiful simplicity here to say as life gets complex, there's two aspects, same side of the, different sides of the coin, same coin. We embrace simplicity. There's a simplicity and clarity and strength in understanding ourselves as followers of Jesus. These are my words. We might find better words for these. Whenever we get lost in the weeds of 21st century life, I get lost in the weeds sometimes. I, there's a bunch of things I believe. I'm not sure at times how to hold them together. They, they seem more challenging to hold a bunch of things I've always believed. And it's, it's complex. We get lost in the weeds. Whenever that happens, we look, it's like a reboot. We return to the simple invitation to come follow me. There's a beauty and a simplicity to that. However, we also realise if we follow Jesus, guess what we're going to have to talk about in 21st century life? We're going to need to talk about what does that look like in the area of sexuality. We're going to need to talk about what does that mean for technology and the environment. And if we're going to follow Jesus faithfully, we can't just get to issues and put our head in the sand. So then we might get lost in the weeds again. Then we come back to saying, actually, we're just trying to follow Jesus. There's this wonderful rhythm to that. Now more than ever, it's a time for us to be more like ourselves and be committed to just following Jesus to understand that's going to take us into some challenging areas but to continue to return and as we finish this morning this second imperative is really important for us you get all that we're oh, sorry Dave could you go we're Pentecostal this is not an exclusive thing but the Pentecostal tradition has always meant one of the wonderful things about being Pentecostal is very pragmatic people the Pentecostal movement started in Australia amongst the um, missions of Sydney and Melbourne amongst the poor, very practical people who loved getting out, who were following Jesus, who just were following Jesus to expect all of the Holy Spirit had. The invitation to follow Jesus, folks, is not just is not an invitation to think the right things. Actually, the more we focused on that, it seems like as a church identifying ourselves as the people who have the right ideas, the more we ineffective we've been in the culture. But it's not just an invitation to have the right ideas. It's not even an invitation to have the right actions. It's to have the right spirit. It's an invitation to be renewed and restored. And I'm so glad that, again, we continue to find space and will always to have moments where you encounter Jesus rather than trying to put on a lifestyle makeover and fake it till you make it, let's agree that doesn't work. The stats are in. It's not working. We're not fooling anyone, least of all, maybe only ourselves. 
It is an invitation to come as you are and receive Jesus' words. The Holy Spirit will come on you in power. You're going to need this. If you're going to follow me into that world, you're going to need something different, something new, something fresh. So as you take the call to follow Jesus seriously, so also take the call to receive the same, the same spirit that rose him from the dead. It can be alive in you. You can't understand the book of Acts separate from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They went about following Jesus into the world and they changed the world. Jesus first said, wait here till you receive the Holy Spirit. And there's a rhythm of life where we walk into the world to follow Jesus and then come back and wait till we receive the Holy Spirit because we leak. There's a rhythm there that I invite you to. We're going to spend a few moments uh, just in reflection as we finish. I'll come and pray in a moment.